0: Before starting to read the text of St. John's Gospel, I hope you won't mind if I say something by way of introduction. It's this. We should pray before we read Scripture, or at least we should read it in a spirit of prayer. The Bible comes from God, and so we must expect that it will go beyond our understanding. When I open my Bible, I don't expect to understand all I read. But that doesn't trouble me. I'll come back to it later. When you go to a fountain to quench your thirst, you don't expect to drink the fountain dry. In fact, you'd be horrified if you did. There'd be nothing to come back to next time you were thirsty. So, when you come to read the Bible, you come to quench your spiritual thirst. If you have no spiritual thirst, I doubt if you profit in any way from reading Scripture. But if we do hunger and thirst for God... Then, through the inspired Word of God, he enables us to come to know and love the incarnate Word. And that brings us to the start of St. John's Gospel. At the beginning of time, the Word already was. And God had the Word abiding with him, and the Word was God. He abode at the beginning of time with God. It was through him that all things came into being and without him came nothing that has come to be. In him there was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, a darkness which was not able to master it. A man appeared, sent from God, whose name was John. He came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, so that through him all men might learn to believe. He was not the light, he was sent to bear witness to the light. There is one who enlightens every soul born into the world. He was the true light. He through whom the world was made was in the world, and the world treated him as a stranger. He came to what was his own, and they who were his own gave him no welcome. But all those who did welcome him he empowered to become the children of God, all those who believe in his name. Their birth came not from human stock, not from nature's will or man's, but from God. And the Word was made flesh, and came to dwell among us. And we had sight of his glory, glory such as belongs to the Father's only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. We have John's witness to him. I told you, cried John, that there was one coming after me, who takes rank before me. He was when I was not. We have all received something out of his abundance, grace answering to grace. Through Moses, the law was given to us. Through Jesus Christ, grace came to us, and truth. No man has ever seen God, but now his only begotten Son, who abides in the bosom of the Father, has himself become our interpreter. This then was the testimony which John bore when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? He admitted the truth without concealment, admitted that he was not the Christ. What then, they asked him, art thou Elias? Not Elias, he said. Art thou the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said, Tell us who thou art, that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What account dost thou give of thyself? And he told them, I am what the prophet Isaiah spoke of, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Straighten out the way of the Lord. The Pharisees, for there were Pharisees who had come on this errand, asked him, Why dost thou baptize then, if thou thyself art not the Christ, nor Elias, nor the prophet? John answered them, I am baptizing you with water, but there is one standing in your midst of whom you know nothing. He it is, who, though he comes after me, takes rank before me. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his shoes. All this happened in Bethany, that is beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Look, this is the Lamb of God. Look, this is he who takes away the sin of the world. It is of him that I said, One is coming after me, who takes rank before me? He was when I was not. I myself did not know who he was, although the very reason why I have come with my baptism of water is to make him known to Israel. John also bore witness thus I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove and resting upon him. Till then I did not know him, but then I remembered what I had been told by the God who sent me to baptize with water. He told me, The man who will baptize with the Holy Spirit is the man on whom thou wilt see the Spirit come down and rest. Now I have seen him, and have borne my witness that this is the Son of God. The next day after this, John was standing there again with two of his disciples, and watching Jesus as he walked by, he said, Look, this is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say it, and they followed Jesus. Turning, and seeing them follow him, Jesus asked, "'What would you have of me?' "'Rabbi,' they said, a word which means master. "'Where dost thou live?' He said to them, "'Come and see.' So they went and saw where he lived, and they stayed with him all the rest of the day, from about the tenth hour onwards." One of the two who had heard what John said and followed him was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He, first of all, found his own brother Simon and told him, We have discovered the Messiah, which means the Christ, and brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him closely and said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Kephas, which means the same as Peter. He was to remove into Galilee next day, and now he found Philip. To him Jesus said, Follow me. This Philip came from Bethsaida, a fellow townsman of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have discovered who it was Moses wrote of in his law, and the prophets too. It is Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. When Nathanael asked him, Can anything that is good come from Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and said of him, Here comes one who belongs to the true Israel. There is no falsehood in him. How dost thou know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered him, I saw thee when thou wast under the fig tree, before Philip called thee. Then Nathanael answered him, Thou master, art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered, What? What? Believe because I told thee that I saw thee under the fig tree, thou shalt see greater things than that. And he said to him, Believe me when I tell you this. You will see heaven opening, and the angels of God going up and coming down upon the Son of Man. Two days afterwards there was a wedding feast at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. Jesus himself and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Here the supply of wine failed. Whereupon Jesus' mother said to him, They have no wine left. Jesus answered her, Nay, woman, why dost thou trouble me with that? My time has not come yet. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. There were six waterpots standing there, as the Jewish custom of ceremonial washing demanded. They were of stone, and held two or three firkins apiece. And when Jesus said, Fill the waterpots with water, they filled these up to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw, and give a draught to the master of the feast. So they gave it to him. And the master of the feast tasted this water, which had now been turned into wine. He did not know whence it came, only the servants who had drawn the water knew that. The master of the feast then called to the bridegroom, and said to him, It's ever the good wine that men set out first, and the worst kind only when all have drunk deep. Thou hast kept the good wine till now. So, in Cana of Galilee, Jesus began his miracles, and made known the glory that was his, so that his disciples learnt to believe in him. After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brethren, and his disciples, not staying there many days. And now the paschal feast which the Jews keep was drawing near, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple there he found the merchants selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money-changers sitting at their trade. So he made a kind of whip out of cords and drove them all with their sheep and oxen out of the temple, spilling the bankers' coins and overthrowing their tables. And he said to the pigeon-sellers, Take these away, do not turn my father's house into a place of barter. And his disciples remembered how it is written, I am consumed with jealousy for the honour of thy house. Then the Jews answered him, What sign canst thou show us as thy warrant for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. At which the Jews said, This temple took forty-six years to build. Wilt thou raise it up in three days? But the temple he was speaking of was his own body. And when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered his saying this, and learned to believe in the Scriptures, and in the words Jesus had spoken. At this paschal season, while he was in Jerusalem for the feast, there were many who came to believe in his name upon seeing the miracles which he did. But Jesus would not give them his confidence. He had knowledge of them all, and did not need assurances about any man, because he could read men's hearts. There was a man called Nicodemus, a Pharisee and one of the rulers of the Jews, who came to Jesus by night. "'Master,' he said to him, "'we know that thou hast come from God to teach us. No one, unless God were with him, could do the miracles which thou doest.' Jesus answered him, "'Believe me when I tell thee this. A man cannot see the kingdom of God without being born anew.' "'Why?' Nicodemus asked him. "'How is it possible that a man should be born when he is already old?' Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and so come to birth? Jesus answered, Believe me, no man can enter into the kingdom of God unless birth comes to him from water and from the Holy Spirit. What is born by natural birth is a thing of nature. What is born by spiritual birth is a thing of spirit. Do not be surprised then at my telling thee you must be born anew. The wind breathes where it will, and thou canst hear the sound of it, but knows nothing of the way it came, or the way it goes. So it is when a man is born by the breath of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered him, How can such things come to be? What? answered Jesus, Can such things be strange to thee, who art one of the teachers of Israel? Believe me, we speak of what is known to us, and testify of what our eyes have seen and still you will not accept our testimony. You cannot trust me when I tell you of what passes on earth. How will you be able to trust me when I tell you of what passes in heaven? No man has ever gone up into heaven, but there is one who's come down from heaven, the Son of Man who dwells in heaven. And this Son of Man must be lifted up, as the serpent was lifted up by Moses in the wilderness so that those who believe in him may not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave up his only begotten Son, so that those who believe in him may not perish, but have eternal life. When God sent his Son into the world, it was not to reject the world, but so that the world might find salvation through him. For the man who believes in him, there is no rejection. The man who does not believe is already rejected. He has not found faith in the name of God's only begotten Son. Rejection lies in this, that when the light came into the world, men preferred darkness to light, preferred it because their doings were evil. Anyone who acts shamefully, hates the light, will not come into the light for fear that his doings will be found out. Whereas the man whose life is true comes to the light, so that his deeds may be seen for what they are, deeds done in God. After this, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them, baptizing. John was still baptizing, too, in Anon, near Salim, where there was abundance of water men went to him there to be baptized. It was only later that John was thrown into prison. John's disciples had had a dispute with the Jews about purification, and now they came to John and told him, Master, there was one with thee on the other side of Jordan, to whom thou didst then bear testimony. We find that he is baptizing now, and all are flocking to him. John answered, A man must be content to receive the gift which is given him from heaven, and nothing more. You yourselves are my witnesses that I told you I am not the Christ. I have been sent to go before him. The bride is for the bridegroom. But the bridegroom's friend, who stands by and listens to him, rejoices too, rejoices at hearing the bridegroom's voice. And this joy is mine now in full measure. He must become more and more. I must become less and less. He who comes from above is above all men's reach. The man who belongs to earth talks the language of earth, but one who comes from heaven must needs be beyond the reach of all. He bears witness of things he has seen and heard, and nobody accepts his witness. The man who does accept his witness has declared once for all that God cannot lie since the words spoken by him whom God has sent are God's own words, so boundless is the gift God makes of his Spirit. The Father loves his Son, and so has given everything into his hands. And he who believes in the Son possesses eternal life, whereas he who refuses to believe in the Son will never see life. God's displeasure hangs over him continually. And now it became known to Jesus that the Pharisees had been told, Jesus is making more disciples and baptizing a greater number than John, although it was his disciples who baptized, not Jesus himself. So he left Judea, and once more withdrew into Galilee. And he was obliged to go by way of Samaria. Thus he came to a Samaritan city called Sica, close by the plot of ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And there was a well there, called Jacob's Well. There then Jesus sat down, tired after his journey, by the well. It was about noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me some to drink. His disciples were away in the city at this time, buying food. Whereupon the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that thou who art a Jew dost ask me, a Samaritan, to give thee drink? The Jews, you must know, have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If thou knewest what it is God gives, and who this is that is saying to thee, Give me drink, it would have been for thee to ask him instead, and he would have given thee living water. Sir, the woman said to him, thou hast no bucket, and the well is deep. How then, Canst thou provide living water? Art thou a greater man than our father Jacob? It was he who gave us this well. He himself and his sons and his cattle have drunk out of it. Jesus answered her, Anyone who drinks such water as this will be thirsty again afterwards. The man who drinks the water I give him will not know thirst any more. The water I give him will be a spring of water within him that flows continually to bring him everlasting life. Then, sir, said the woman, give me water such as that, so that I may never be thirsty and have to come here for water again. At this Jesus said to her, Go home, fetch thy husband, and come back here. I have no husband, answered the woman. And Jesus told her, True enough, thou hast no husband. Thou hast had five husbands, But the man who is with thee now is no husband of thine. Thou hast told the truth over this. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Well, it was our Father's way to worship on this mountain, although you tell us that the place where men ought to worship is in Jerusalem. Believe me, woman, Jesus said to her, the time is coming— When you will not go to this mountain, nor yet to Jerusalem, to worship the Father. You worship, you cannot tell what. We worship, knowing what it is we worship. Salvation, after all, is to come from the Jews. But the time is coming, nay, has already come, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Such men as these the Father claims for his worshippers. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes, said the woman, I know that Messias, that is the Christ, is to come, and when he comes he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I who speak to thee am the Christ. With that his disciples came up, and were surprised to find him talking to the woman. But none of them asked, What meanest thou? or... Why art thou talking to her? And so the woman put down her water pot and went back to the city to tell the folk there, Come and have sight of a man who's told me all the story of my life. Can this be the Christ? So they left the city and came out to find him. Meanwhile, his disciples were urging him, Master, take some food. But he told them, I have food to eat of which you know nothing whereupon his disciples said to one another, Can somebody have brought him food? But Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish the task he gave me. Is it not a saying of yours, It's four whole months before harvest comes? There's a footnote here. Monsignor Knox writes, It is four whole months. This may have been a proverb, meaning that there was no hurry, like our... Rome was not built in a day. Our Lord here rejects it. It cannot be too soon to begin preaching his gospel. I go back to the text. Is it not a saying of yours, It is four whole months before harvest comes? Why, lift up your eyes, I tell you, and look at the fields. They are white with the promise of harvest already. The wages paid to him who reaps this harvest— The crop he gathers in is eternal life, in which sower and reaper are to rejoice together. And here the proverb fits, which is true enough. One man sows, and another reaps. The harvest I have sent you out to reap is one on which you bestowed no labor. Others have labored, and it is their labors you have inherited. Many of the Samaritans from that city came to believe in him through the woman's testimony. He told me all the story of my life. And when they came out to him, the Samaritans urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days there. Many more of them came to believe through his preaching. "Is not through thy report, they told the woman, that we believe now. We have heard him for ourselves, and we recognize that he is indeed the Saviour of the world. Then, after two days, he passed on and returned to Galilee. Jesus himself bore witness that it's in his own country a prophet goes unhonored. And now, when he came into Galilee, the Galileans too made him welcome, because they had seen what he did in Jerusalem at the time of the feast. They had gone up to the feast like himself. And so he came once more to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And a nobleman, whose son was lying sick at Capernaum, hearing that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, who was at the point of death. Jesus said to him, You must see signs and miracles happen, or you will not believe. Sir, the nobleman said to him, Come down before my child dies. Go back home, Jesus told him. Thy son is to live. And the man began his journey home, putting his trust in the words Jesus had spoken to him. And while he was still on his way down, His servants met him with a message that his son was still alive. So he asked what time it had been when he felt easier, and they told him, He recovered from his fever yesterday at the seventh hour. The father recognized that it had happened at the very time when Jesus said to him, Thy son is to live. And he and all his household found faith. Thus, for the second time, Jesus did a miracle upon his return from Judea to Galilee. After this came a Jewish feast, for which Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There was a pool in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate, called in Hebrew Bethesda, with five porches, under which a multitude of diseased folk used to lie, the blind, the lame, the disabled, waiting for a disturbance of the water. From time to time an angel of the Lord came down upon the pool, and the water was stirred up and the first man who stepped into the pool after the stirring of the water recovered from whatever infirmity it was that oppressed him. There was one man there who had been disabled for thirty-eight years. Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had waited a long time. "'Hast thou a mind,' he asked, "'to recover thy strength?' "'Sir,' said the cripple, "'I have no one to let me down into the pool when the water is stirred.' And while I am on my way, somebody else steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. And all at once the man recovered his strength, and took up his bed, and walked. That day it was the Sabbath, and the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, The man who gave me back my strength told me himself, Take up thy bed and walk. So they asked him, Who is this man who told thee, Take up thy bed and walk? The cripple who had been healed did not know who it was. Jesus had drawn aside from so crowded a place. But afterwards, when Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, thou hast recovered thy strength. Do not sin any more, for fear that worse should befall thee, the man went back and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had restored his strength. The Jews took occasion to rouse ill-will against Jesus for doing such things on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered them, My father has never ceased working, and I too must be at work. This made the Jews more determined than ever to make away with him, that he not only broke the Sabbath— but spoke of God as his own Father, thereby treating himself as equal to God. And Jesus answered them thus, Believe me when I tell you this, the Son cannot do anything at his own pleasure. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. What the Father does is what the Son does in his turn. The Father loves the Son, and discloses to him all that he himself does and he has greater doings yet to disclose to him for your astonishment. Just as the Father bids the dead rise up and gives them life, so the Son gives life to whomsoever he will. So it is with judgment. The Father, instead of passing judgment on any man himself, has left all judgment to the Son, so that all may reverence the Son just as they reverence the Father. To deny reverence to the Son is to deny reverence to the Father who has sent him. Believe me when I tell you this. The man who listens to my words and puts his trust in him who sent me enjoys eternal life. He does not meet with rejection. He has passed over already from death to life. Believe me, the time is coming, nay, has already come, when the dead will listen to the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen to it will live. As the Father has within him the gift of life, so he has granted to the Son that he too should have within him the gift of life, and has also granted him power to execute judgment, since he is the Son of Man. Do not be surprised at that. The time is coming when all those who are in their graves will hear his voice, and will come out of them, those whose actions have been good, rising to new life, and those whose doings have been evil, rising to meet their sentence. I cannot do anything on my own authority. I decide as I am bidden to decide, and my decision is never unjust, because I am consulting the will of him who sent me, not my own. If I testify in my own behalf, that testimony of mine is worth nothing. There is another who testifies to me, and I know well that the testimony he bears me is worthy of trust. You yourselves sent a message to John, and he testified to the truth. Not that I depend on human testimony, it's for your own welfare that I say this. He, after all, was the lamp lit to show you the way, and there was a time when you were willing enough to sun yourself in his light. But the testimony I have is greater than John's. The actions which my father has enabled me to achieve, those very actions which I perform, bear me witness that it is the father who has sent me, "'Nay, the Father who sent me has himself borne witness to me. "'You have always been deaf to his voice, blind to the vision of him, "'and his word is not continually present in your hearts. "'That is why you will not trust one whom he has sent. "'You pore over the Scriptures, thinking to find eternal life in them, "'and indeed it is of these I speak as bearing witness to me, "'but you will not come to me to find life.' I do not mean that I look for honour from men, but that I can see you have no love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you give me no welcome, although you will welcome some other if he comes in his own name. How should you learn to believe, you who are content to receive honour from one another, and are not ambitious for the honour which comes from him who alone is God? Do not suppose that it will be for me to accuse you before my Father, Your accusation will come from Moses, the very man in whom you put your trust. If you believe Moses, you would believe me. It was of me that he wrote. But if you give no credence to his writings, how should you give credence to my words? After this, Jesus retired across the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and there was a great multitude following him. They had seen the miracles he performed over the sick. So Jesus went up onto the hillside, and there sat down with his disciples. It was nearly the time of the Jews' great feast, the Paschal Feast. And now, lifting up his eyes, and seeing that a great multitude had gathered round him, Jesus said to Philip, Whence are we to buy bread for these folk to eat? In saying this, he was putting him to the test. He himself knew well enough what he meant to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred silver pieces would not buy enough bread for them, even to give each a little. One of his disciples, it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fishes, but what is that among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the men sit down. There was no lack of grass where they were, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks, and distributed them to the company, and a share of the fishes too, as much as they had a mind for. Then, when they'd all had enough, he told his disciples, Gather up the broken pieces that are left over, so that nothing may be wasted. And when they gathered them up, they filled twelve baskets with the broken pieces left over by those who'd eaten. When they saw the miracle Jesus had done, these men began to say, Beyond doubt, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Knowing then that they meant to come and carry him off so as to make a king of him, Jesus once again withdrew onto the hillside all alone. His disciples, when evening came on, went down to the lake and there, embarking on the boat, they began to cross the water to Capernaum. Darkness had fallen, and Jesus had not yet come back to them. Meanwhile, there was a strong wind blowing, and the sea was beginning to grow rough. And now they had rowed some twenty-five or thirty furlongs, when they saw Jesus walking on the sea, and already drawing near to the boat. They were terrified, but he said to them, "'It's myself,' Do not be afraid. Then they took him on board willingly enough, and all at once their boat reached the land they were making for. Next morning the multitude was still waiting on the opposite shore. They had seen that there was only one boat there, and that Jesus did not embark with his disciples on this boat, but left his disciples to go back alone. But now, since other boats from Tiberias had put in near the place where they ate the loaves when the Lord gave thanks over them, the multitude, finding neither Jesus nor his disciples there, embarked on these boats in their turn and went back to Capernaum to look for Jesus. And when they found that he had crossed the lake, they asked him, Master, when didst thou make thy way here? Jesus answered them, Believe me, if you are looking for me now, It's not because of the miracles you have seen. It's because you were fed with the loaves and had your fill. You should not work to earn food which perishes in the using. Work to earn food which affords continually eternal life, such food as the Son of Man will give you. God the Father has authorized him. What shall we do then, they asked him, so as to work in God's service? Jesus answered them, This is the service God asks of you, to believe in the man whom he has sent. So they said to him, Why then, what miracle canst thou do? We must see it before we trust thee. What canst thou effect? Our fathers had manna to eat in the desert, as the scripture says. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Believe me when I tell you this. The bread that comes from heaven is not what Moses gave you. The real bread from heaven is given only by my Father. God's gift of bread comes down from heaven and gives life to the whole world. Then, Lord, they said, give us this bread all the while. But Jesus told them, It is I who am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He who has faith in me will never know thirst. But you, as I have told you, though you have seen me, Do not believe in me. All that the Father has entrusted to me will come to me, and him who comes to me I will never cast out. It is the will of him who sent me, not my own will, that I have come down from heaven to do. And he who sent me would have me keep without loss and raise up at the last day all he has entrusted to me. Yes, this is the will of him who sent me that all those who believe in the Son when they see him should enjoy eternal life. I am to raise them up at the last day. The Jews were by now complaining of his saying, I am myself the bread which has come down from heaven. Is not this Jesus, they said, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother are well known to us? What does he mean by saying, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not whisper thus to one another. Nobody can come to me without being attracted towards me by the Father who sent me, so that I can raise him up at the last day. It is written in the book of the prophets, and they shall all have the Lord for their teacher. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except him who comes from God. He alone has seen the Father. Believe me when I tell you this. The man who has faith in me enjoys eternal life. It is I who am the bread of life. Your fathers who ate manna in the desert died nonetheless. The bread which comes down from heaven is such that he who eats of it never dies. I myself am the living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live for ever. And now what is this bread which I am to give? It is my flesh, given for the life of the world. Then the Jews fell to disputing with one another, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Whereupon Jesus said to them, Believe me when I tell you this, you can have no life in yourselves unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. The man who eats my flesh and drinks my blood enjoys eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives continually in me, and I in him. As I live because of the Father, the living Father who has sent me, so he who eats me will live in his turn because of me. Such is the bread which has come down from heaven. It's not as it was with your fathers, who ate manna and died nonetheless. The man who eats this bread will live eternally. He said all this while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, And there were many of his disciples who said when they heard it, This is strange talk. Who can be expected to listen to it? But Jesus inwardly aware that his disciples were complaining over it, said to them, Does this try your faith? What will you make of it if you see the Son of Man ascending to the place where he was before? Only the Spirit gives life. The flesh is of no avail. I'll read out the footnote which Monsignor Knox places here. He writes, If we understand the flesh as referring to our Lord's flesh, we must suppose him to mean the flesh without spirit without life condemning the folly of those hearers who imagined that he had been speaking of his dead body in all that he said above but it is possible to understand the flesh in a different sense altogether the sense in which it is contrasted throughout the new testament with the spirit in this sense it denotes the natural as opposed to the supernatural man and especially human wisdom, as opposed to divine revelation. The sentence will then mean that the mystery of the Holy Eucharist must be approached by faith, not by human reasoning. I'll go back to the text. Only the Spirit gives life, the flesh is of no avail, and the words I have been speaking to you are Spirit and life. But there are some, even among you, who do not believe, And if I may, I'll put in a comment myself here. Jesus didn't say, there are some who don't understand. He said, there are some who do not believe. There was nobody who understood. He wasn't asking for that. He was asking for faith. And further on, we hear Simon Peter saying, we have believed and have known that you are the Christ, the Son of God. St. Peter didn't say, we've known and believed, but we've believed and have known faith comes first then understanding I go back to the text but there are some even among you who do not believe Jesus knew from the first which were those who did not believe and which of them was to betray him and he went on to say that is what I meant when I told you that nobody can come to me unless he's received the gift from my father After this, many of his disciples went back to their old ways and walked no more in his company. Whereupon Jesus said to the twelve, Would you too go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom should we go? Thy words are the words of eternal life. We have learned to believe and are assured that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen all twelve of you? and one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, and was to betray him. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea, because the Jews had designs on his life. And now one of the Jewish feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles, was drawing near. And his brethren said to him, This is no place for thee. Go to Judea, so that thy disciples also may see thy doings. Nobody is content to act in secret if he wishes to make himself known at large. If thou must needs act thus, show thyself before the world. For even his brethren were without faith in him. Whereupon Jesus said to them, My opportunity has not come yet. Your opportunity is always ready to hand. THE WORLD CANNOT BE EXPECTED TO HATE YOU, BUT IT DOES HATE ME, BECAUSE I DENOUNCE IT FOR ITS EVIL DOINGS. IT IS FOR YOU TO GO UP FOR THE FEAST. I AM NOT GOING UP FOR THE FEAST, BECAUSE FOR ME THE TIME IS NOT RIPE YET. AND SAYING SO MUCH TO THEM, HE STAYED BEHIND IN GALILEE. BUT AFTERWARDS, WHEN HIS brethren HAD GONE UP FOR THE FEAST, HE TOO WENT UP, NOT PUBLICLY, BUT AS IF HE WOULD KEEP HIMSELF HIDDEN. And Monsignor Knox puts a footnote in here. He says there's only an apparent inconsistency between our Lord's statement, I'm not going up for the feast, and his decision to go up to Jerusalem. To go up for a feast was clearly a technical expression for going up on pilgrimage, usually in company with a large party of neighbors, whereas our Lord went to Jerusalem privately and perhaps did not arrive till after the feast had begun. I go back to the text, but afterwards, when his brethren had gone up for the feast, he too went up, not publicly, but as if he would keep himself hidden. The Jews were looking for him at the feast, and asked, where can he be? Among the crowd there was much whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. No, said others, he leads the multitude astray. But for fear of the Jews, nobody dared to speak of him openly. And it was not till the feast was half over that Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach there. The Jews were astonished. How does this man know how to read, they asked? He's never studied. Jesus answered, The learning which I impart is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. Anyone who is prepared to do his will can tell for himself whether such learning comes from God, or whether I am delivering a message of my own. The man who delivers a message of his own seeks to win credit for himself. When a man seeks to win credit for one who sent him, he tells the truth. There is no dishonesty in him. Moses, for example. Was it not Moses that gave you the law? And yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you design to kill me? The multitude answered, Thou art possessed. Who has a design to kill thee? Jesus answered them, There is one action of mine which has astounded you all. Listen to this, because Moses prescribed circumcision for you, not that it comes from Moses, it comes from the patriarchs, you are ready to circumcise a man on the Sabbath day. And if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, have you any right to be indignant with me for restoring a man's whole strength to him on the Sabbath? Be honest in your judgments. Instead of judging by appearances. At this, some of those who belonged to Jerusalem began to ask, Is not this the man they designed to put to death? Yet here he is, speaking publicly, and they have nothing to say to him. Can the rulers have made up their minds in earnest that this is the Christ? But then we know this man's origins. When Christ appears, no one is to know whence he comes. Whereupon Jesus cried aloud, as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know whence I come. But I have not come on my own errand. I was sent by one who has a right to send, and him you do not know. I know him, because I come from him. It was he who sent me. And now they were ready to seize him, but none of them laid hands on him. His time had not yet come. And indeed, among the multitude... There were many who learned to believe in him. They said, Can the Christ be expected to do more miracles at his coming than this man has done? The Pharisees were told of these whispers about him among the multitude, and both chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Then Jesus said, For a little while I am still with you, and then I am to go back to him who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not be able to find me. You cannot reach the place where I am. Whereupon the Jews said among themselves, Where can he mean to journey, that we should not be able to find him? Will he go to the Jews who are scattered about the Gentile world and teach the Gentiles? What can it mean, this saying of his, You will look for me, but you will not be able to find me. You cannot reach the place where I am. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood there and cried aloud, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Yes, if a man believes in me, as the Scripture says, fountains of living water shall flow from his bosom. He was speaking here of the Spirit which was to be received by those who learnt to believe in him. The Spirit which had not yet been given to men, because Jesus had not yet been raised to glory. Some of the multitude, on hearing these words, said, Beyond doubt, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. And others again, Is the Christ then to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture told us that Christ is to come from the family of David, from the village of Bethlehem, where David lived? Thus there was a division of opinion about him among the multitude. Some of them would have seized him by violence, but no one laid hands on him. Meanwhile, the officers had gone back to the chief priests and Pharisees, who asked them, Why have you not brought him here? The officers answered, Nobody has ever spoken as this man speaks. And the Pharisees answered, Have you too let yourselves be deceived? Have any of the rulers come to believe in him yet, or of the Pharisees? As for these common folk who have no knowledge of the law, a curse is on them. Here Nicodemus, the same man who came to Jesus by night, who was one of their number, asked, Is it the way of our law to judge a man without giving him a hearing first, and finding out what he is about? They answered him, Art thou too from Galilee? Look in the Scriptures. Thou wilt find that Galilee does not breed prophets. And they went back, each to his own home. Jesus, meanwhile, went to the Mount of Olives. And at early morning he appeared again in the temple. All the common folk came to him, and he sat down there and began to teach them. And now the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman who had been found committing adultery, and made her stand there in full view. Master, they said, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Moses, in his law, Prescribed that such persons should be stoned to death, what of thee, what is thy sentence? They said this to put him to the test, hoping to find a charge to bring against him. But Jesus bent down, and began writing on the ground with his finger. When he found that they continued to question him, he looked up and said to them, Whichever of you is free from sin, shall cast the first stone at her. Then he bent down again, and went on writing on the ground. And they began to go out, one by one, beginning with the eldest, till Jesus was left alone with the woman, still standing in full view. Then Jesus looked up, and asked her, Woman, where are thy accusers? Has no one condemned thee? No one, Lord, she said. And Jesus said to her, I will not condemn thee either. Go, And do not sin again henceforward. And now, once more, Jesus spoke to them. I am the light of the world, he said. He who follows me can never walk in darkness. He will possess the light which is life. Whereupon the Pharisees told him, Thou art testifying on thy own behalf. Thy testimony is worth nothing. Jesus answered them, My testimony is trustworthy even when I testify on my own behalf. I know whence I have come and where I am going. You do not know whence I have come. You do not know where I am going. You set yourselves up to judge after your earthly fashion. I do not set myself up to judge anybody. And what if I should judge? My judgment is judgment indeed. It is not I alone. My Father who sent me is with me. Just so it is prescribed in your law. The testimony of two men is trustworthy. Well, one is myself, testifying in my own behalf. And my Father who sent me testifies in my behalf too. Hereupon they said to him, Where is this Father of thine? And Jesus answered, You have no knowledge either of me or of my Father. Had you knowledge of me, you would have knowledge of my Father as well. All this Jesus said at the treasury while he was teaching in the temple and no one seized him because his time had not yet come. And he said to them again I am going away and you will look for me but you will have to die with your sins upon you. Where I am going is where you cannot come. At this the Jews began to ask will he kill himself? Is that what he means by where I am going is where you cannot come? But he went on to say, You belong to earth, I to heaven, you to this world, I to another. That is why I have been telling you that you will die with your sins upon you. You will die with your sins upon you unless you come to believe that it is myself you look for. Who art thou then, they asked. Jesus said to them, What, that I should be talking to you at all? There is much I could say of you, Many judgments I could pass on you, but what I tell the world is only what I have learned from him who sent me, because he cannot deceive. And they could not understand that he was calling God his Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will recognize that it is myself you look for, and that I do not do anything on my own authority, but speak as my Father has instructed me to speak. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me all alone, since what I do is always what pleases him. While he spoke thus, many of the Jews learned to believe in him. And now Jesus said to those among the Jews who believed in him, If you continue faithful to my word, you are my disciples in earnest. So you will come to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, and there's a footnote here from Mancina Knox. He said that this they answered refers not to the ones who believe in him, but to our Lord's Jewish audience in general. They answered him, We are of Abraham's breed. Nobody has ever enslaved us yet. What dost thou mean by saying you shall become free? And Jesus answered them, Believe me when I tell you this. Everyone who acts sinfully is the slave of sin, and the slave cannot make his home in the house forever. To make his home in the house forever is for the son. Why, then, if it's the son who makes you free men, you will have freedom in earnest. Yes, I know you are of Abraham's breed, yet you designed to kill me, because my word does not find any place in you. My words... What I have learnt in the house of my father, and your actions, it seems, are what you have learnt in the school of your father. Our father, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's true children, it is for you to follow Abraham's example. As it is, you are designing to kill me, who tell you the truth as I have heard it from God. This was not Abraham's way. No, It's your father's example you follow. And now they said to him, We are no bastard children. God, and he only, is the father we recognize. Jesus told them, If you were children of God, you would welcome me gladly. It was from God I took my origin. From him I have come. I did not come on my own errand. It was he who sent me. Why is it that you cannot understand the language I talk? It is because you have no ear for the message I bring. You belong to your father, that is, the devil, and are eager to gratify the appetites which are your father's. He, from the first, was a murderer, and as for truth, he has never taken his stand upon that. There is no truth in him. When he utters falsehood, he is only uttering what is natural to him. He is all false, and it was he who gave falsehood its birth. And if you do not believe me, it is precisely because I am speaking the truth. Can any of you convict me of sin? If not, why is it that you do not believe me when I tell you the truth? The man who belongs to God listens to God's words. It is because you do not belong to God that you will not listen to me. Hereupon the Jews answered him, We are right, surely, in saying that thou art a Samaritan and art possessed. I am not possessed, Jesus answered. It is because I reverence my Father that you have no reverence for me. Not that I am looking to my own reputation. There is another who will look to it and be the judge. Believe me when I tell you this. If a man is true to my word, to all eternity he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, Now we certain that thou art possessed. What if Abraham and the prophets, they are dead? And thou sayest that a man will never taste death to all eternity, if he is true to thy word? Art thou greater than our father Abraham? He is dead, and the prophets are dead. What dost thou claim to be? If I should speak in my own honour, Jesus answered, such honour goes for nothing. Honour must come to me from my father, from him whom you claim as your God, although you cannot recognise him but I have knowledge of him. And if I should say I have not, I should be what you are, a liar. Yes, I have knowledge of him, and I am true to his word. As for your father Abraham, his heart was proud to see the day of my coming. He saw and rejoiced to see it. Then the Jews asked him, Hast thou seen Abraham, thou who art not yet fifty years old? And Jesus said to them, Believe me, Before ever Abraham came to be, I am. Whereupon they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And Jesus saw, as he passed on his way, a man who had been blind from his birth. Whereupon his disciples asked him, Master, was this man guilty of sin, or was it his parents, that he should have been born blind? Neither he nor his parents were guilty, Jesus answered. It was so that God's action might declare itself in him. While daylight lasts, I must work in the service of him who sent me. The night is coming when there is no working any more. As long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. With that, he spat on the ground and made clay with the spittle. Then he spread the clay on the man's eyes and said to him, "'Away with thee, and wash in the pool of Siloe,' a word which means sent out. "'So he went and washed there, and came back with his sight restored. "'And now the neighbours, and those who had been accustomed to see him begging, began to say, "'Is not this the man who used to sit here and beg?' "'Some said, This is the man, and others, No, but he looks like him. "'And he told them, Yes, I am the man.' How is it then, they asked him, that thy eyes have been opened? He answered, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes with it, and said to me, Away with thee to the pool of Siloe, and wash there. So I went there and washed and recovered my sight. Where is he? they asked. And he said, I cannot tell. And they brought him before the Pharisees, this man who had once been blind. It was a Sabbath day, you must know, when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees, in their turn, asked him how he'd recovered his sight. Why, he said, he put clay on my eyes, and then I washed, and now I can see. Whereupon some of the Pharisees said, This man could be no messenger from God. He does not observe the Sabbath. Others asked, How can a man do miracles like this and be a sinner? Thus there was a division of opinion among them. And now they questioned the blind man again. What account dost thou give of him, that he should thus have opened thy eyes? Why, he said, he must be a prophet. The Jews must send for the parents of the man who had recovered his sight, before they would believe his story that he had been blind, and that he should have his sight restored to him. And they questioned them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How comes it then, that he is now able to see? His parents answered them, We can tell you that this is our son, and that he was blind when he was born. We cannot tell you how he is able to see now. We have no means of knowing who opened his eyes for him. Ask the man himself. He is of age. Let him tell you his own story. It was fear of the Jews that made his parents talk in this way. The Jews had by now come to an agreement that anyone who acknowledged Jesus as the Christ should be forbidden the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him himself. So once more they summoned the man who had been blind. Give God the praise, they said. This man, to our knowledge, is a sinner. Sinner or not, said the other, I cannot tell. All I know is that once I was blind, and now I can see. Then they asked him over again, What was it he did to thee? By what means did he open thy eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen to me. Why must you hear it over again? Would you two become his disciples? Upon this they covered him with abuse. Keep his discipleship for thyself. We are disciples of Moses. We know for certain that God spoke to Moses. We know nothing of this man, or whence he comes. Why, the man answered, here is matter for astonishment. Here is a man that comes, you cannot tell whence. And he's opened my eyes. And yet we know for certain that God does not answer the prayers of sinners. It's only when a man is devout and does his will that his prayer is answered. That a man should open the eyes of one born blind is something unheard of since the world began. No, if this man did not come from God, he would have no powers at all. What, they answered, are we to have lessons from thee, all steeped in sin from thy birth? and they cast him out from their presence. When Jesus heard that they had so cast him out, he went to find him, and asked him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? Tell me who he is, Lord, he answered, so that I can believe in him. He is one whom thou hast seen, Jesus told him. It is he who is speaking to thee. Then he said, I do believe, Lord and fell down to worship him. Hereupon Jesus said, I have come into this world, so that a sentence may fall upon it, that those who are blind should see, and those who see should become blind. Some of the Pharisees heard this, such as were in his company, and they asked him, Are we blind too? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you would not be guilty. It is because you protest, we can see clearly you cannot be rid of your guilt. Believe me when I tell you this. The man who climbs into the sheepfold by some other way, instead of entering by the door, comes to steal and to plunder. It is the shepherd who tends the sheep that comes in by the door. At his coming, the keeper of the door throws it open, and the sheep are attentive to his voice and so he calls by name the sheep which belong to him and leads them out with him. When he has brought out all the sheep which belong to him, he walks in front of them, and the sheep follow him, recognizing his voice. If a stranger comes, they run away from him instead of following him. They cannot recognize the voice of a stranger. This was a parable which Jesus told them, and they could not understand what he meant to say to them. So Jesus spoke to them again. Believe me, he said, it is I who am the door of the sheepfold. Those others who have found their way in are all thieves and robbers. To these the sheep paid no attention. I am the door. A man will find salvation if he makes his way in through me. He will come and go at will and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, to slaughter, to destroy. I have come so that they may have life, and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, whereas the hireling, who is no shepherd, and does not claim the sheep as his own, abandons the sheep, and takes to flight as soon as he sees the wolf coming, and so the wolf harries the sheep and scatters them. The hireling, then, takes to flight because he is only a hireling because he has no concern over the sheep. I am the good shepherd. My sheep are known to me and know me, just as I am known to my father and know him. And for these sheep I am laying down my life. I have other sheep too, which do not belong to this fold. I must bring them in too. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one fold and one shepherd. This my father loves in me, that I am laying down my life to take it up again afterwards. Nobody can rob me of it. I lay it down of my own accord. I am free to lay it down, free to take it up again. This is the charge which my father has given me. These words of his led to a fresh division of opinion among the Jews. Many of them said, He must be possessed, he is a madman, why do you listen to him? While others said, This is not the language of a man who is possessed by a devil. Has a devil power to open blind men's eyes? And now the dedication feast was taking place at Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus was walking about in the temple in Solomon's porch. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long wilt thou go on keeping us in suspense? If thou art the Christ, tell us openly. Jesus answered them, I have told you, but you will not believe me. All that I do in my Father's name bears me testimony, and still you will not believe me. That is because you are no sheep of mine. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them everlasting life, so that to all eternity they can never be lost. No one can tear them away from my hand. This trust which my Father has committed to me is more precious than all else. No one can tear them away from the hand of my Father. My Father and I are one. At this the Jews once again took up stones to stone him with. Jesus answered them, My Father has enabled me to do many deeds of mercy in your presence. For which of these are you stoning me? It is not for any deed of mercy we are stoning thee, answered the Jews. It is for blasphemy. It is because thou, who art a man, dost pretend to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are God's? There is a footnote here. It refers to Psalm 81, verse 6, and when Knox adds, The judges of God's people are there called sons of God, and even God's which fact our Lord adduces as proof that Son of God is not in itself a blasphemous title to adopt. But he shows that he claims it in a different sense, by insisting immediately afterwards that it is more applicable to the Word of God, as with a capital W, than to those to whom the Word of God was sent. I go back to the text. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are God's? He gave the title of God's to those who had God's message sent to them, and we know that the words of Scripture have binding force. Why then, what of him whom God has sanctified and sent into the world? Will you call me a blasphemer, because I have told you I am the Son of God? If you find that I do not act like the Son of my Father, then put no trust in me. But if I do... Then let my actions convince you where I cannot. So you will recognize and learn to believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Thereupon once again they had a mind to seize him, but he escaped from their hands and went back to the other side of Jordan, to the place where John was when he first baptized. There he waited, while many came out to see him. John, they said, never did a miracle. But all John told us about this man has proved true, and many found faith in him there. There was a man called Lazarus of Bethany who had fallen sick. Bethany was the name of the village where Mary lived with her sister Martha, and this Mary, whose brother Lazarus had now fallen sick, was the woman who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. The sisters sent a message to him to say, Lord, he whom thou lovest lies here sick. And Jesus said on hearing it, The end of this sickness is not death. It is meant for God's honour to bring honour to the Son of God. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. At the time then, after hearing the news, he waited for two days in the place where he was. And then after that interval he said to his disciples, let us go back into Judea. Master, his disciples said to him, the Jews were but now threatening to stone thee. Art thou for Judea again? Jesus answered, Are there not just twelve hours of daylight? A man can walk in the daytime without stumbling, with this world's light to see by. There's a footnote here. The most probable explanation of this allegory is that our Lord compares the predestined length of his own lifetime with the hours of daylight. There is no danger for him in Judea yet, because the hour of darkness has not yet come. I go back to the text. Jesus answered, Are there not just twelve hours of daylight? A man can walk in the daytime without stumbling, with this world's light to see by. He only stumbles if he walks by night, because then the light cannot reach him. So much he said, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus is at rest now. I am going there to awake him. But Lord, the disciples said to him, if he is rested, his life will be saved. Jesus had been telling them of his death, but they supposed he meant the rest which comes with sleep. So now Jesus told them openly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes I am glad I was not there. It will help you to believe, but come, Let us make our way to him. Thereupon Thomas, who is also called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go too and be killed along with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been four days in the grave. Since Bethany was near Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs away, many of the Jews had gone out there to comfort Martha and Mary over the loss of their brother. Martha, When she heard that Jesus had come, went out to meet him, while Mary sat on in the house. "'Lord,' said Martha to Jesus, "'if thou hadst been here, my brother would not have died. "'And I know well that even now God will grant whatever thou would ask of him. "'Thy brother,' Jesus said to her, "'will rise again. "'Martha said to him, "'I know well enough that he will rise again at the resurrection when the last day comes.' Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he is dead, will live on. And whoever has life and has faith in me to all eternity cannot die. Dost thou believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have learned to believe that thou art the Christ. Thou art the Son of the living God. It is for thy coming the world has waited. And with that she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The Master is here, she said, and bids thee come. She rose up at once on hearing it, and went to him. Jesus had not yet reached the village. He was still at the place where Martha had gone out to meet him. And so the Jews, who were in the house with Mary, comforting her, when they saw how quickly she rose up and went out, followed her. She has gone to the grave, they said, to weep there. So Mary reached the place where Jesus was, And when she saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, she said, if thou hadst been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus, when he saw in tears, and the tears of the Jews who accompanied her, sighed deeply, and distressed himself over it. Where have you buried him? he asked. Lord, they said to him, come and see. Then Jesus wept. See, said the Jews, how he loved him. And some of them asked, Could not he who opened the blind man's eyes have prevented this man's death? So Jesus, once more sighing to himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone had been put over the mouth of it. Take away the stone, Jesus told them. And Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, the air is foul by now. He has been four days dead. Why, Jesus said to her, Have I not told thee that if thou hast faith, thou wilt see God glorified? So they took the stone away, and Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven. Father, he said, I thank thee for hearing my prayer. For myself, I know that thou hearest me at all times, but I say this for the sake of the multitude which is standing round, that they may learn to believe it is thou who hast sent me. And with that he cried in a loud voice, Come out, Lazarus, to my side. Whereupon the dead man came out, his feet and hands tied with linen strips, and his face muffled in a veil. Loose him, said Jesus, and let him go free. Many of these Jews who had visited Martha and Mary, and seen what Jesus did, learnt to believe in him. But some went off to the Pharisees, and reported to them all Jesus had done. So the chief priests and Pharisees summoned a council. What are we about, they said? This man is performing many miracles, and if we leave him to his own devices, he will find credit everywhere. Then the Romans will come and make an end of our city and our race. And one of them, Caiaphas, who held the high priesthood in that year, said to them, You have no perception at all. You do not reflect that it is best for us if one man is put to death for the sake of the people to save a whole nation from destruction it was not of his own impulse that he said this holding the high priesthood as he did in that year he was able to prophesy that Jesus was to die for the sake of the nation and not only for that nation's sake but so as to bring together into one all God's children scattered far and wide from that day forward then they plotted his death And Jesus no longer went about openly among the Jews, but retired to a city called Ephraim in the country which borders on the desert, and waited there with his disciples. The pastoral feast which the Jews keep was now close at hand, and there were many from the country who went up to Jerusalem to purify themselves before pastoral time began. So they looked out for Jesus and said to one another as they stood there in the temple, What's your way of it? Will he come up to the feast? And the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where he was should report it to them, so that they could arrest him. Six days before the pastoral feast, Jesus went to Bethany. Bethany was the home of Lazarus, the dead man whom Jesus raised to life. And a feast was made for him there, at which Martha was waiting at table, while Lazarus was one of his fellow guests. And now Mary brought in a pound of pure spikenard ointment, which was very precious, and poured it over Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with her hair. The whole house was scented with the ointment. One of his disciples, the same Judas Iscariot who was to betray him, said when he saw it, why should not this ointment have been sold? It would have fetched three hundred silver pieces, and alms might have been given to the poor. He said this, not from any concern for the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common pass, and took what was put into it. And Jesus said, Let her alone, enough that she should keep it for the day when my body is prepared for burial. You have the poor among you always. I am not always among you. A great number of the Jews heard that he was there and went out there, not only on account of Jesus, but so as to have sight of Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. And the chief priests made a plot against Lazarus's life too, because so many of the Jews, on his account, were beginning to go off and find faith in Jesus. Next day, a great multitude of those who had come up for the feast, hearing that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, took palm branches with them, and went out to meet him, crying aloud, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus took an ass's foal and mounted on it. So it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king is coming to thee, riding on an ass's colt. The disciples did not understand all this at the time. Only after Jesus had attained his glory... Did they remember what they had done, and how it fulfilled the words written of him? There were many who had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him to life, and these two bore witness of him. Indeed, that was why the multitude went out to meet him, because they had heard of his performing this miracle. And the Pharisees said to one another, Do you see how vain are your efforts? Look, the whole world has turned aside to follow him. And if I may put in there St. Augustine's comment on that passage, he said, What wonder that the whole world should go after him through whom the whole world was made. The text goes on. And there were certain Gentiles, among those that had come up to worship at the feast, who approached Philip, the man from Bethsaida in Galilee, and made a request of him. Sir, they said, we desire to see Jesus. Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and together Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The time has come now for the Son of Man to achieve his glory. Believe me when I tell you this, a grain of wheat must fall into the ground and die, or else it remains nothing more than a grain of wheat. But if it dies, then it yields rich fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, He who is an enemy to his own life in this world will keep it, so as to live eternally. If anyone is to be my servant, he must follow my way. So shall my servant, too, be where I am. If anyone serves me, my father will do him honour. And now my soul is distressed. What am I to say? I will say, Father, save me from undergoing this hour of trial. And yet I have only reached this hour of trial, that I might undergo it. Father, make thy name known. And at this, a voice came from heaven. I have made it known, and will yet make it known. Thereupon, the multitude which stood listening, declared that it had thundered. But some of them said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, It was for your sake, not for mine, that this utterance was made. Sentence is now being passed on this world. Now is the time when the prince of this world is to be cast out. Yes, if only I am lifted up from the earth, I will attract all men to myself. In saying this, he prophesied the death he was to die. The multitude answered him, We have been told, out of the law, that Christ is to remain undisturbed for ever. What dost thou mean by saying that the Son of Man must be lifted up? What son of man is this? And Jesus said to them, The light is among you still, but only for a short time. Finish your journey while you still have the light, for fear darkness should overtake you. He who journeys in darkness cannot tell which way he is going. While you still have the light, have faith in the light, so that you may become children of the light. So much Jesus told them, and then went away, and was lost to their view. Such great miracles he did in their presence, and still they did not believe in him. This was in fulfillment of the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Lord, is there anyone who has believed our message, to whom the power of God has been made known? So it was that they could not believe, and indeed Isaiah said elsewhere, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, so that they could not see with those eyes and understand with that heart, and turn back to me, and win healing from me. Isaiah said this as one who had seen his glory. It was of him that he spoke. There were, for all that, many of the rulers who had learned to believe in him. But they would not profess it because of the Pharisees, afraid of being forbidden the synagogue. They valued their credit with men higher than their credit with God. And Jesus cried out, If a man believes in me, it is in him who sent me, not in me, that he believes. To see me is to see him who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that all those who believe in me may continue no longer in darkness. If a man hears my words and does not keep true to them, I do not pass sentence on him. I have come to save the world, not to pass sentence on the world. The man who makes me of no account and does not accept my words, has a judge appointed to try him. It is the message I have uttered that will be his judge at the last day. And this, because it is not on my own authority that I have spoken. It was my Father who sent me that commanded me what words I was to say, what message I was to utter. And I know well that what he commands is eternal life. Everything then which I utter, I utter as my Father has bidden me. Before the Paschal Feast began, Jesus already knew that the time had come for his passage from this world to the Father. He still loved those who were his own, whom he was leaving in the world, and he would give them the uttermost proof of his love. Supper was over, and the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to betray him. Jesus knew well that the Father had left everything in his hands. Knew it was from God that he came, and to God that he went. And now, rising from supper, he laid his garments aside, took a towel, and put it about him. And then he poured water into the basin, and began to wash the feet of his disciples, wiping them with the towel that girded him. So when he came to Simon Peter, Peter asked him, Lord, is it for thee to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, It is not for thee to know now what I am doing, but thou wilt understand it afterwards. Peter said to him, I will never let thee wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash thee, it means that thou hast no companionship with me. Then, Lord, said Peter, wash my hands and my head too, not only my feet. But Jesus told him, A man who has bathed does not need to do more than wash the stains from his feet. He is clean all over. And you are clean now, only not all of you. He knew who his betrayer was. That was why he said, You are not all clean. Then, when he had finished washing their feet, and put on his garments, he sat down again and said to them, Do you understand what it is I have done to you? You hail me as the Master and the Lord, and you are right. It is what I am. Why, then, if I have washed your feet, I, who am the Master and the Lord, you in your turn ought to wash each other's feet. I have been setting you an example which will teach you in your turn to do what I have done for you. Believe me, no slave can be greater than his Master, no apostle greater than he by whom he was sent. Now that you know this, blessed are you if you perform it. I am not thinking of all of you when I say this. I know who are the men I have chosen. Well, it remains for the passage in Scripture to be fulfilled. The man who shared my bread has lifted his heel to trip me up. I am telling you this now, before it happens, so that when it happens you may believe it was written of me. Believe me when I tell you this. The man who welcomes one whom I send welcomes me, and the man who welcomes me Welcomes him who sent me. After saying so much, Jesus bore witness to the distress he felt in his heart. Believe me, he said, believe me, one of you is to betray me. And the disciples looked at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. Jesus had one disciple whom he loved, who was now sitting with his head against Jesus' breast. I'll give Mancina Knox his footnote on that verse. He says, The ancients did not sit as we do over meals, but reclined, leaning on the left elbow. In this verse, we are simply told that St. John, lying at our Lord's right, found his head nearly at a level with his breast. Then he leans back to speak to him, with his head actually resting upon it. That St. Peter should have had to communicate by signs, probably means that he was sitting on the further side of our Lord, that is, in the place of honour at his left. I'll read that verse again. Jesus had one disciple, whom he loved, who was now sitting with his head against Jesus's breast. To him, therefore, Simon Peter made a sign, and asked him, Who is it he means? And he, leaning his head back upon Jesus' breast, asked him, Lord, Who is it? Jesus answered, It is the man to whom I give this piece of bread, which I am dipping in the dish. Then he dipped the bread, and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon, the Iscariot. The morsel once given, Satan, entered into him, and Jesus said to him, Be quick on thy errand. None of those who sat there could understand the drift of what he said. Some of them thought, since Judas kept the common pass, that Jesus was saying to him, Go and buy what we need for the feast, or bidding him give some alms to the poor. He, as soon as he received the morsel, had gone out. And now it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has achieved his glory, and in his glory God is exalted. Since in his glory God is exalted, it is for God to exalt him in his own glory and exalt him without delay. It's only for a short time that I am with you, my children. You will look for me, and now I have to tell you what I once told the Jews. You cannot reach the place where I am. I have a new commandment to give you, that you are to love one another, that your love for one another is to be like the love I have borne you. The mark by which all men will know you for my disciples will be the love you bear one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where art thou going? Jesus answered him, I am going where thou canst not follow me now, but shalt follow me afterwards. Lord, Peter said to him, why cannot I follow thee now? I am ready to lay down my life for thy sake. Thou art ready, answered Jesus, to lay down thy life for my sake? Believe me, by cockcrow thou wilt thrice disown me. Do not let your heart be distressed. As you have faith in God, have faith in me. There are many dwelling places in my father's house. Otherwise, should I have said to you, I am going away to prepare a home for you. And though I do go away to prepare your home, I am coming back, and then I will take you to myself, so that you too may be where I am. And now you know where it is I am going, and you know the way there. Thomas said to him, But Lord, we do not know where thou art going. How are we to know the way there? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am truth and life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. If you had learnt to recognize me, you would have learnt to recognize my Father too. From now onwards, you are to recognize him. You have seen him. At this, Philip said to him, Lord, let us see the Father, that is all we ask. What, Philip? Jesus said to him. Here am I, who have been all this while in your company. Hast thou not learnt to recognise me yet? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. What dost thou mean by saying, Let us see the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you are not my own words. And the Father who dwells continually in me achieves in me his own acts of power. If you cannot trust my word when I tell you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, let these powerful acts themselves be my warrant. Believe me when I tell you this. The man who has learned to believe in me will be able to do what I do. Nay, he will be able to do greater things yet, It is to my Father I am going, and whatever request you make of the Father in my name I will grant, so that through the Son the Father may be glorified. Every request you make of me in my own name, I myself will grant it to you. If you have any love for me, you must keep the commandments which I give you, and then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another to befriend you one who is to dwell continually with you for ever. It is the truth-giving Spirit for whom the world can find no room, because it cannot see him, cannot recognize him. But you are to recognize him. He will be continually at your side, nay, he will be in you. I will not leave you friendless. I am coming to you. It is only a little while now before the world is to see me no more, but you can see me, because I live on, and you too will have life. When that day comes, you will learn for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The man who loves me is the man who keeps the commandments he has for me. And he who loves me will with my Father's love, and I too will love him, and will reveal myself to him. Here Judas, not the Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how comes it that thou wilt only reveal thyself to us and not to the world Jesus answered him if a man has any love for me he will be true to my word and then he will win my father's love and we will both come to him and make our continual abode with him whereas the man who has no love for me lets my sayings pass him by and this word which you have been hearing from me comes not from me but from my Father who sent me. So much converse I have held with you, still at your side. He who is to befriend you, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send on my account, will in his turn make everything plain, and recall to your minds everything I have said to you. Peace is my bequest to you, and the peace which I give you is mine to give. I do not give peace as the world gives it, Do not let your heart be distressed or play the coward. You have heard me say that I am going away and coming back to you. If you really loved me, you would be glad to hear that I am on my way to my father. My father has greater power than I. I have told you of this before it happens, so that when it happens you may learn to believe. I have no longer much time for converse with you. One is coming who has power over the world, but no hold over me. No, but the world must be convinced that I love the Father and act only as the Father has commanded me to act. Rise up, we must be going on our way. Monsignor Knox comments on that last verse, Some think that after announcing his departure, our Lord still lingered talking to the Apostles. Others, that they left the cenacle at this point, and that the words recorded in the three chapters which follow was spoken on the way to Gethsemane. I am the true vine, and it is my Father who tends it. The branch that yields no fruit in me, He cuts away. The branch that does yield fruit, He trims clean, so that it may yield more fruit. You, through the message I have preached to you, are clean already. You have only to live on in me, and I will live on in you. The branch that does not live on in the vine can yield no fruit of itself, no more can you, if you do not live on in me. I am the vine, you are its branches. If a man lives on in me, and I in him, then he will yield abundant fruit. Separated from me, you have no power to do anything." If a man does not live on in me, he can only be like the branch that is cast off and withers away. Such a branch is picked up and thrown into the fire to burn there. As long as you live on in me and my words live on in you, you will be able to make what request you will and have it granted. My Father's name has been glorified if you yield abundant fruit and prove yourselves my disciples. I have bestowed my love upon you, just as my Father has bestowed his love upon me. Live on, then, in my love. You will live on in my love if you keep my commandments, just as it is by keeping my Father's commandments that I live on in his love. All this I have told you, so that my joy may be yours, and the measure of your joy may be filled up. This is my commandment, that you should love one another, as I have loved you, this is the greatest love a man can show that he should lay down his life for his friends and you, if you do all that I command you are my friends I do not speak of you any more as my servants a servant is one who does not understand what his master is about whereas I have made known to you all that my father has told me and so I have called you my friends it was not you that chose me it was I that chose you The task I have appointed you is to go out and bear fruit, fruit which will endure, so that every request you make of the Father in my name may be granted you. These are the directions I give you, that you should love one another. If the world hates you, be sure that it hated me before it learned to hate you. If you belonged to the world, the world would know you for its own and love you. It's because you do not belong to the world Because I've singled you out from the midst of the world But the world hates you Do not forget what I said to you No servant can be greater than his master They will persecute you Just as they've persecuted me They will pay the same attention to your words as to mine And they will treat you thus Because you bear my name They have no knowledge of him who sent me If I had not come and given them my message, they would not have been in fault. As it is, their fault can find no excuse. To hate me is to hate my father too. If I had not done what no one else ever did in their midst, they would not have been in fault. As it is, they have hated with open eyes both me and my father. And all this in fulfilment of the saying which is written in their law— they hated me without cause. Well, when the truth-giving Spirit, who proceeds from the Father, has come to befriend you, he whom I will send to you from the Father's side, he will bear witness of what I was, and you too are to be my witnesses, you who from the first have been in my company. I have told you this, so that your face may not be taken unawares. They will forbid you the synagogue, nay, the time is coming, when anyone who puts you to death will claim that he is performing an act of worship to God. Such things they will do to you, because they have no knowledge of the Father, or of me. And I have told you this, so that when the time comes for it to happen, you may remember that I told you of it. If I did not tell you of it from the first It was because I was to be still in your company. Now I am going back to him who sent me. None of you is asking me, Where is it thou art going? So full are your hearts with sorrow at my telling you this. Mencini Knox puts a footnote there. He quotes our Lord's words, None of you is asking me, and says, That is any longer. St. Peter had asked this question, But now it would appear that the disciples have lost their interest in our Lord's movements and given themselves up to useless sorrowing over his departure. The text goes on. And yet I can say truly that it's better for you I should go away. He who is to befriend you will not come to you unless I do go. But if only I make my way there, I will send him to you. He will come and it will be for him to prove the world wrong about sin, and about rightness of heart, and about judging. About sin, they have not found belief in me. About rightness of heart, I am going back to my father, and you are not to see me any more. About judging, he who rules this world has had sentence passed on him already. I have still much to say to you, but it is beyond your reach as yet. It will be for him, the truth-giving Spirit, when he comes, to guide you into all truth. He will not utter a message of his own. He will utter the message that has been given to him, and he will make plain to you what is still to come. And he will bring honor to me, because it is from me that he will derive what he makes plain to you. I say that he will derive from me what he makes plain to you, because all that belongs to the Father belongs to me. "'After a little while you will see me no longer, "'and again after a little while you will have sight of me, "'because I am going back to the Father.' "'Upon this some of his disciples said to one another, "'What does this mean that he is saying to us, "'After a little while you will see me no longer, "'and again after a little while you will have sight of me, "'and then because I am going back to my Father?' "'What is this little while he speaks of?' they asked." We cannot understand what he means by it. Jesus, knowing that they were eager to question him, said to them, You are wondering among yourselves over what I have been saying. After a little while you will see me no longer, and again after a little while you will have sight of me. Believe me when I tell you this. You will weep and lament while the world rejoices. You will be distressed, but your distress shall be turned into joy. A woman in childbirth feels distress because now her time has come. But when she's born her child, she does not remember the distress any longer. So glad is she that a man has been born into the world. So it is with you. You are distressed now, but one day I will see you again, and then your hearts will be glad, and your gladness will be one which nobody can take away from you. When that day comes... You will not need to ask anything of me. Believe me, you have only to make any request of the Father in my name, and he will grant it to you. Until now, you have not been making any requests in my name. Make them, and they will be granted, to bring you gladness in full measure. I have been telling you this in parables. Now comes the hour when I will speak to you in parables no longer, but tell you openly about the Father. At the time I speak of, you will make your request in my name. And there is no need for me to tell you that I will ask the Father to grant them to you, because the Father himself is your friend, since you have become my friends, and have learned to believe that I came from God. It was from the Father I came out when I entered the world, and now I am leaving the world and going on my way to the Father. Hereupon his disciples said to him, Why, now thou art speaking openly enough. This is no parable thou art uttering. Now we can be sure that thou knowest all things, not needing to wait till thou art asked. This gives us faith that thou wast sent by God. You have faith now, Jesus answered. Behold, the time is coming, nay has already come, when you are to be scattered, each of you taking his own path and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have said this to you, so that in me you may find peace. In the world you will only find tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Thus Jesus spoke to them. And then, lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the time has come. Give glory now to thy Son, that thy Son may give the glory to thee. Thou hast put him in authority over all mankind, to bring eternal life to all those thou hast entrusted to him. Eternal life is knowing thee who art the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have exalted thy glory on earth by achieving the task which thou gavest me to do. Now, Father... Do thou exalt me at thy own side in that glory which I had with thee before the world began? I have made thy name known to the men whom thou hast entrusted to me, chosen out of the world. They belonged to thee and have become mine through thy gift, and they have kept true to thy word. Now they have learnt to recognize all the gifts thou gavest me as coming from thee. I have given them the message which thou gavest to me, and they, receiving it, recognized it for truth that I came from thee, and found faith to believe that it was thou who didst send me. It is for these I pray. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom thou hast entrusted to me. They belong to thee, as all I have is thine, and all thou hast is mine, and in them my glory is achieved. I am remaining in the world no longer, but they remain in the world while I am on my way to Thee. Holy Father, keep them true to Thy name, Thy gift to me, that they may be one, as we are one. As long as I was with them, it was for me to keep them true to Thy name, and I have watched over them, so that only one has been lost, he whom perdition claimed for its own, in fulfillment of the Scripture." But now I am coming to thee, and while I am still in the world, I am telling them this, so that my joy may be theirs, and reach its full measure in them. I have given them thy message, and the world has nothing but hatred for them, because they do not belong to the world, as I too do not belong to the world. I am not asking that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them clear of what is evil. They do not belong to the world, as I too do not belong to the world. Keep them holy, then, through the truth. It is thy word that is truth. Thou hast sent me into the world on thy errand, and I have sent them into the world on my errand. And I dedicate myself for their sakes, that they too may be dedicated through the truth. It is not only for them that I pray. I pray for those who ought to find faith in me through their word that they may all be one, that they too may be one in us, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, so that the world may come to believe that it is thou who hast sent me. And I have given them the privilege which thou gavest to me, that they should all be one, as we are one, that while thou art in me, I may be in them, and so they may be perfectly made one. So let the world know that it is Thou who hast sent me, and that Thou hast bestowed Thy love upon them as Thou hast bestowed it upon me. This, Father, is my desire, that all those whom Thou hast entrusted to me may be with me where I am, so as to see my glory, Thy gift made to me in that love which Thou didst bestow upon me before the foundation of the world. Father, Thou art just. The world has never acknowledged Thee. But I have acknowledged thee, and these men have acknowledged that thou didst send me. I have revealed, and will reveal, thy name to them, so that the love thou hast bestowed upon me may dwell in them, and I too may dwell in them. All this Jesus said, and now, with his disciples, he went out across the Kedron Valley. Here there was a garden into which he and his disciples went. Judas, his betrayer, knew the place well. Jesus and his disciples had often foregathered in it. There then Judas came, accompanied by the guard, and officers sent by the chief priests and Pharisees with lanterns and torches and weapons. So Jesus, knowing well what was to befall him, went out to meet them. Who is it, he asked, you are looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. And he told them, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And there was Judas, his betrayer, standing in their company. When he said to them, I am Jesus of Nazareth, they all shrank back and fell to the ground. So once more Jesus asked them, Who is it you are looking for? And when they said, Jesus of Nazareth, he answered, I have told you already that I am Jesus. If I am the man you are looking for, let these others go free. Thus he would make good the words he had spoken to them. I have not lost any of those whom thou hast entrusted to me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Malchus was the name of the servant. Whereupon Jesus said to Peter, Put thy sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink that cup which my father himself has appointed for me? And now the guard, with their captain and the Jewish officers, arrested Jesus and pinioned him. They led him off in the first instance to Annas, father-in-law of Caiaphas, who held the high priesthood in that year. It was this Caiaphas who had given it as his advice to the Jews that it was best to put one man to death for the sake of the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus with another disciple. This disciple was acquainted with the high priest, and went into the high priest's court with Jesus, while Peter stood at the door without. Afterwards, the other disciple, who was the high priest's acquaintance, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper, and so brought Peter in. This maid servant, who kept the door asked Peter, Art thou another of this man's disciples? And he said, Not I. It was cold, and the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire and stood there warming themselves. There Peter stood too, warming himself with the rest. And now the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly before the world. My teaching has been given in the synagogue and in the temple, where all the Jews foregather, Nothing that I have said was said in secret. Why dost thou question me? Ask those who listen to me what my words were. They know well enough what I said. When he spoke thus, one of the officers, who was standing by, struck Jesus on the cheek. Is this, he said, how thou makest answer to the high priest? If there was harm in what I said, Jesus answered, tell us what was harmful in it. If not... Why dost thou strike me? Annas, you must know, had sent him on, still bound, to the high priest Caiaphas. Meanwhile Simon Peter stood there and warmed himself. So they asked him, Art thou too one of his disciples? And he denied it. Not I, he said. Why, said one of the high priest's servants, a kinsman of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, did I not see thee with him in the garden? Whereupon Peter denied again, and immediately the cock grew. And now they led Jesus away from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's palace. It was morning, and they would not enter the palace themselves. There was the paschal meal to be eaten, and they must not incur defilement. And so Pilate went to meet them without. What charge, he asked, do you bring against this man? They answered, We would not have given him up to thee if he had not been a malefactor. Take him yourselves, Pilate said to them, and judge him according to your own law. Whereupon the Jews said to him, We have no power to put any man to death. This was in fulfillment of the words Jesus had spoken when he prophesied what death he was to die. So Pilate went back into the palace and summoned Jesus. Art thou the king of the Jews, he said? "'Dost thou say this of thy own accord?' "'Jesus answered. "'Or is it what others have told thee of me?' "'And Pilate answered, "'Am I a Jew? "'It's thy own nation and its chief priests "'who have given thee up to me. "'What offence hast thou committed?' "'My kingdom,' said Jesus, "'does not belong to this world. "'If my kingdom were one "'which belonged to this world, "'my servants would be fighting "'to prevent my falling into the hands of the Jews. "'But no,' My kingdom does not take its origin here. Thou art a king, then, Pilate asked. And Jesus answered, It is thy own lips that have called me a king. What I was born for, what I came into the world for, is to bear witness of the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And with that he went back to the Jews again and told them, I can find no fault in him. You have a custom of demanding that I should release one prisoner at Paschal time. Would you have me release the king of the Jews? Whereupon they all made a fresh outcry. Barabbas, they said, not this man. Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers put on his head a crown which they had woven out of thorns and dressed him in a scarlet cloak. They would come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and then strike him on the face. And now Pilate went out again and said, See, I am bringing him out to you to show that I cannot find any fault in him. Then, as Jesus came out, still wearing the crown of thorns and the scarlet cloak, he said to them, See, here is the man. When the chief priests and their officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves, said Pilate, and crucify him. I cannot find any fault in him. The Jews answered, We have our own law, and by our law he ought to die, for pretending to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. Going back into the palace, he asked Jesus, "Whence hast thou come? But Jesus gave him no answer. What, said Pilate, hast thou no word for me? Dost thou not know that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou wouldst not have any power over me at all, if it had not been given thee from above. That is why the man who gave me up to thee is more guilty yet. After this, Pilate was for releasing him, but the Jews went on crying out, Thou art no friend to Caesar if thou dost release him. The man who pretends to be a king is Caesar's rival. When Pilate heard them speak thus, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat in a place which is called Lithostratos. Its Hebrew name is Gabbatha. It was now about the sixth hour on the eve of the Paschal feast. See, he said to the Jews, here is your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. What? Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? We have no king, the chief priests answered, except Caesar. Thereupon he gave Jesus up into their hands to be crucified, and they, once he was in their hands, led him away. So Jesus went out, carrying his own cross, to the place named after a skull. Its Hebrew name is Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, with Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote out a proclamation, which he put on the cross. It ran, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This proclamation was read by many of the Jews, since the place where Jesus was crucified was close to the city. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And the Jewish chief priests said to Pilate, Thou shouldst not write, The King of the Jews. Thou shouldst write, This man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate's answer was, What I have written, I have written. The soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took up his garments, which they divided into four shares, one share for each soldier. They took up his cloak too, which was without seam, woven from the top throughout. So they said to one another, "'Better not to tear it. "'Let us cast lots to decide whose it shall be.'" This was in fulfillment of the passage in Scripture which says, "'They divide my spoils among them, cast lots for my clothing.'" So it was, then, that the soldiers occupied themselves. And meanwhile his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene, had taken their stand beside the cross of Jesus. And Jesus, seeing his mother there, and the disciple too, whom he loved, standing by, said to his mother, Woman, this is thy son. Then he said to the disciple, This is thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own keeping. And now Jesus knew well that all was achieved which the Scripture demanded for its accomplishment, and he said, I am thirsty. There was a jar there full of vinegar. So they filled a sponge with the vinegar and put it on a stick of hyssop and brought it close to his mouth. Jesus drank the vinegar and said, It is achieved. Then he bowed his head and yielded up his spirit. The Jews would not let the bodies remain crucified on the Sabbath, because that Sabbath day was a solemn one. And since it was now the eve, they asked Pilate, that their bodies might have their legs broken and be taken away. And so the soldiers came and broke the legs both of the one and of the other that were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and found him already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers opened his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. He who saw it has borne his witness, and his witness is worthy of trust. He tells what he knows to be the truth, that you, like him, may learn to believe. This was so ordained to fulfill what is written, you shall not break a single bone of his. And again, another passage in Scripture says, they will look upon the man whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who is a disciple of Jesus, but in secret for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him leave, so he came and took Jesus' body away, and with him was Nicodemus, the man who made his first visit to Jesus by night. He brought with him a mixture of myrrh and aloes of about a hundred pounds weight. They took Jesus' body then and wrapped it in winding cloths with the spices. That is how the Jews prepare a body for burial. In the same quarter where he was crucified there was a garden, with a new tomb in it, one in which no man had ever yet been buried. Here, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus, because of the Jewish feast on the morrow. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and found the stone moved away from the tomb door, So she came running to Simon Peter and that other disciple whom Jesus loved. They have carried the Lord away from the tomb, she said to them, and we cannot tell where they have taken him. Upon this, Peter and the other disciple both set out and made their way to the tomb. They began running side by side, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He looked in and saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter, coming up after him, went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there and also the veil which had been put over Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but still wrapped round and round in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw this and learnt to believe. They had not yet mastered what was written of him, that he was to rise from the dead the disciples went back home but mary stood without before the tomb weeping and she bent down still weeping and looked into the tomb and saw two angels clothed in white sitting there one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of jesus had lain they said to her woman why art thou weeping Because they have carried away my Lord, she said, and I cannot tell where they have taken him. Saying this, she turned round, and saw Jesus standing there, without knowing that it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why art thou weeping? For whom art thou searching? She supposed that it must be the gardener, and said to him, If it is thou, sir, that has carried him off, tell me where thou hast put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is the Hebrew for master. Then Jesus said, Do not cling to me thus. I have not yet gone up to my father's side. Return to my brethren and tell them this. I am going up to him who is my father and your father, who is my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene brought news to the disciples of how she had seen the Lord And he had spoken thus to her. And now it was evening on the same day, the first day of the week. For fear of the Jews, the disciples had locked the doors of the room in which they had assembled. And Jesus came and stood there in their midst. Peace be upon you, he said. And with that he showed them his hands and his side. Thus the disciples saw the Lord and were glad. Once more Jesus said to them, Peace be upon you. I came upon an errand from my Father, and now I am sending you out in my turn. With that he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. When you forgive men's sins, they are forgiven. When you hold them bound, they are held bound. There was one of the twelve, Thomas, who is also called Didymus, who was not with them when Jesus came. And when the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, he said to them, Until I have seen the mark of the nails on his hands, until I put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, you will never make me believe. So eight days afterwards, once more the disciples were within, and Thomas was with them, and the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood there in their midst, Peace be upon you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Let me have thy finger, see, here are my hands. Let me have thy hand, put it into my side. Cease thy doubting, and believe. Thomas answered, Thou art my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thou hast learned to believe, Thomas, because thou hast seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have learned to believe. There are many other miracles Jesus did in the presence of his disciples which are not written down in this book. So much has been written down that you may learn to believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and so believing, find life through his name. Jesus appeared to his disciples again afterwards at the Sea of Tiberias, and this is how he appeared to them. Simon Peter was there, and with him Thomas, who is also called Didymus, and Nathanael from Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two more of his disciples. Simon Peter told them, I am going out fishing, and they said, We too will go with thee. So they went out and embarked on the boat, and all that night they caught nothing. But when morning came, there was Jesus standing on the shore. Only the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Have you caught anything, friends, Jesus asked them, to season your bread with? And when they answered, No, he said to them, Cast to the right of the boat, and you will have a catch. So they cast the net, and found before long they had no strength to haul it in, such a shoulder fish was in it. Whereupon the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And Simon Peter, hearing him say that it was the Lord, girded up the fisherman's coat, which was all he wore, and sprang into the sea. The other disciples followed in the boat. They were not far from land, only some hundred yards away, dragging their catch in the net behind them. So they went ashore, and found a charcoal fire made there, with fish and bread cooking on it. Bring some of the fish you have just caught, Jesus said to them and Simon Peter, going on board, hauled in the net to land. It was loaded with great fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them, and with all that number the net had not broken. When Jesus said to them, Come and break your fast, none of the disciples ventured to ask him, Who art thou? knowing well that it was the Lord. So Jesus came up and took bread which he gave to them, and fish as well. Thus Jesus appeared to his disciples a third time, after his rising from the dead. And when they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, dost thou care for me more than these others? Yes, Lord, he told him, thou knowest well that I love thee. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And again, a second time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, dost thou care for me? Yes, Lord, he told him, thou knowest well that I love thee. And he said to him, Tend my shillings. Then he asked him a third question, Simon, son of John, dost thou love me? Peter was deeply moved when he was asked a third time, dost thou love me? And said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou canst tell that I love thee. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Believe me when I tell thee this. As a young man thou wouldst guard thyself, and walk where thou hadst the will to go. But when thou hast grown old, another shall gird thee, and carry thee where thou goest, not of thy own will. So much he told him, prophesying the death by which he was to glorify God. And with that he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. The same, who leant back on his breast at supper, and asked, Who is it that is to betray thee? Seeing him, Peter asked Jesus, And what of this man, Lord? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he should wait till I come, what is it to thee? Do thou follow me? That was why the story went round among the brethren, that this disciple was not to die. But Jesus did not say, He is not to die. He said, If it is my will that he should wait till I come, what is it to thee? It is the same disciple that bears witness of all this, and has written the story of it, and we know well that his witness is truthful. There is much else besides that Jesus did. If all of it were put in writing, I do not think the world itself would contain the books which would have to be written. The end of the Gospel.